Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. One of the things that they do very effectively is they, they've got a very low price image. Yes. Okay. And one of the reasons why they've got a very low price image is they strip all the costs out to the bare bones. They didn't actually give you a price. No. So you, you can't have used internal or external reference prices because there was no price to evaluate. You, you made that judgment without a price, which is, in some sense, crazy. So she was using facts and you were just she was using, using facts. I was also using facts, right? Costco has, on average, lower prices. Nice try, Colin. I know you were trying to <laughs> dismerge me there, but no, no. <laughs> Good morning, Colin. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics today. Good. We're going to talk about pricing. I thought you were going to say the Cleveland Browns, mate. Uh, We're going to talk about the pricing of the Cleveland Browns season (laughs) tickets. No, we're going to talk about pricing, which also applies to to Browns fandom. Don't don't the Cleveland Browns do a pricing strategy of buy one, get 20,000 free? (laughs) They they do not. (laughs) And I expect you will hear from their lawyers. (laughs) No, we're gonna we're gonna talk uh, the two of my favorite things. We're gonna talk about pricing, and we're gonna talk about theory, right? Today, yeah. So, uh, assuming anybody is listening beyond this point um, to the podcast, still, um, <laughs> these are two of my favorite things. Before we start, that can I just get ChatGBT to sort of transcribe this and give you some decent questions so I can just go to sleep for the next half hour? Yeah, um, if, if you think ChatGPT will stay awake during. <laughs> That questioning, you know, we'll, we'll test and see how human-like it is. Um, and it, after and artificial five minutes, intelligence it gives you... pricing theory interesting. Yeah, after five minutes, it says, yes, Ryan is boring. <laughs> and that's, that's how we know we've reached the singularity. It's become self-aware. <laughs> Let me start with something even more interesting than pricing theory, which is a story about me buying milk. Okay. Um, I know, like, we're really... Fun. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're maxing out. This may be our so, last. You so. know, we're now down to one listener, don't you? <laughs> Luckily, that person works for the dairy industry and pricing <laughs> and is very interested in more of us. In this story, I was uh, shopping at uh, Costco with my wife. So Costco is a, a big kind of warehouse uh, store, you know, a membership store. Very Reputation for very low prices. I was shopping with my wife. I went to go buy milk. We have a, a whole we have a whole collection of children at home, and so we go through milk quite uh, rapidly. So I went to go and buy some milk, and I reached for the dairy case, and my wife stopped me, and she said, uh, no, don't buy milk here. We can get it cheaper at the grocery store that we go to. And I said, that's crazy. This is Costco, right? Costco has the lowest prices on everything, so the milk must be cheaper here. And she said, no, I actually know how much it costs at the other store. uh, (laughs) It's more expensive here. It's cheaper over there. Uh, What is this riveting anecdote 
tell us about the way that people evaluate prices, which is what we're going to talk about today. The simple story actually gets at something really important and profound, which is that we have multiple ways of evaluating prices. And those multiple ways of evaluating prices differ in terms of how easy they are for us to do and how what I'll call diagnostic, how accurate they are in evaluating prices, right? So mm-hmm. I was using a method kind of based off of the, the reputation of the store and using that to evaluate the prices. My wife is using a different method, which is based off of her experience. And she actually knew what the, the specific price number was. So she was using facts and you were just she was using, using your I was also using facts, right? Costco has, on average, lower prices. Nice try, Colin. I know you were trying to besmirch <laughs> me there, but no, no. <laughs> Lawyer Ryan is on top of this. Um, but no, her, her information was more accurate than mine was. Right? It was more specific. And obviously within that, and I hope I'm not, I'm not spoiling it, uh, any of your thunder, but there's a guy that... Um, <laughs> that, that was thunder, just so we're clear. <laughs> I've been bringing the thunder so yeah, far. Hold, on. hold yeah. on, I can see that one listener that we had maybe sort of wavering at this point. <laughs> so there's a guy that I sometimes watch, we've got Costco cards, and he basically every month sort of says, here's the like 10 things to buy at Costco. And he was then talking about some of the prices in Costco's. I believe he said that when you buy this, you know, when they go down the aisles and they do the testers and all that type of stuff, he said that doesn't necessarily mean it's cheap. In fact, it's normally more expensive. And therefore, it's not just across the board, or some of it may be across the board, but there are elements of it where they are changing the prices and i think one of the things in fact i have to put a link into the show notes for anyone that's interested into this but he was also saying if it ends in i can't remember which way it is around now, but if it ends in 95 cents it means they're trying to get rid of it or if it ends in 99 cents it's just a special offer now it could be the other way round you'd have to check out yeah i've i've heard that too i i can't verify that i've only heard that could you get, on could you get your wife in just so she can tell us what the what the reality is <laughs> she, it would probably make her really happy to get on here and correct <laughs> me on the podcast so maybe we'll, we'll make that her birthday present this year uh, i'll invite her on i've heard that too that there are different kind of price ending levels that serve as signals for whether something's regular price or on sale or on, on clearance. I can't verify that. I don't know for sure that Costco does that way, but that would make sense that they do. We'll come back around to some of this as we dig more into the theory, because Costco is a really interesting case for distinguishing between these different ways of evaluating prices, because some of their strategy is based on the way that uh, assumptions about the way that people make price evaluations. All right. So Let's talk about three different theories of price evaluations. And and just to kind of demarcate where we're going to be during this half hour, we're looking at it from a a consumer, from a customer's standpoint, right? So this is customer psychology. We'll talk at the end about what what a a brand, a retailer, a seller might do knowing this. But this is not a theory of like pricing from a firm perspective. This is a, a theories from consumer psychology. All right. So there are three main kind of groups of theories uh, that I want to talk about. The first is internal reference prices. The second is external reference prices. And the third is price image. All right. So let's talk about internal reference prices. So internal refers to something that's happening inside of your head. So your internal reference price is some 
expectation that you're bringing to a price evaluation based off of your own experience. So previous shopping that you've done yourself, any prices that you've seen in advertisements, any price discussions that you've had, uh, prices from related categories that you've shopped in before, anything memory related is an internal reference price. So that's your your expectation. Does that that make sense? It does. So was, was your wife using that then? Yes. Yeah. So when my wife remembered the price at another store, that was an internal reference price that she was bringing to that evaluation. She was able to compare those two. And that's the way internal reference prices work. So you were exposed to a price and then you pull up some memory of a price, uh, some expectation, and then you compare the two. And if it's above your expectation, then you evaluate that price as being high or expensive. If it's below, you evaluate it as being lower. There's been a, a lot of research going into what gets pulled up as that internal reference price. And the short answer is it's it can be almost anything, right? So uh, when they model this using data, a lot of times it's some kind of weighted average of prior prices that you were exposed to. So the most recent ones tend to get more weight um, or have more importance than prices that you saw a long time ago, but they can all influence you, all right? But it's, it's kind of anything that's pulled up in memory. All right, so far so good? Yeah. Okay. The next set of theories is external reference prices. And again, this is external to your head. So these are the prices that you encounter in the environment around you. So if I'm evaluating one brand of milk, then the other brands of milk that I see also in the dairy case, those would be external reference prices that I'm bringing to bear. Uh, These don't need to be even in the same category. So there's been some interesting research that's looked at incidental reference prices. So you might walk past a display of bread and see the prices for the bread. And then when you go to evaluate the milk, those bread prices are still somehow kind of salient somewhere in, in, in your head. And, and so you can kind of compare those. As well. Anytime we talk about context effects or choice architecture or nudging All of that happens at the external reference price level. If I can give you a decoy option or a more extreme option that changes how you evaluate a price, those are all external reference prices. Right. Okay. So anything like two pounds off or five dollars off or yes, all those would be external reference prices as well, right? So um, if you go to a a price tag and it says this was ten dollars, but it's been marked down to eight dollars. They've just provided you with an external reference price. You you should be evaluating this at $10, but now it's $2 less. So they just gave you that reference price and then gave you a new price that was favorable relative. And I presume it doesn't, that's not limited to the physical price. So you could say 20% off. Yeah. All of those would, would also be in this broad category of external reference prices. Right. Yeah. Okay. And there's been specific research about like, for example, when it, it makes sense to say uh, $2 off versus 20% off under cases that the short headline finding in that research is you go with the bigger number. All right. So if $2 off is, is, you know, 1% off, then you say $2 off. If $2 off is 10% off, then you say 10% off. Right. You go with the larger number. Right. Makes sense. All right. So that's external reference prices. The third category is price image, which is essentially the branding or the reputation for pricing that people have. If you're familiar with 
social psychology, this is a halo effect. This is the idea that you have a kind of a reputation for something, and then that reputation is then like spread across a whole bunch of other evaluations. So that's what I was doing in this Costco story. Costco has a reputation for low prices. I was familiar with that reputation. And so I was bringing that reputation to evaluating this price. If, if it's a Costco, it must be low priced because everything at Costco is low priced. And so that's that was the, the approach that I was taking. That makes sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's making me think of when we are recording this, Apple obviously just released their, uh, released a week ago, two weeks ago, their um, Apple Vision, the Apple Vision Pro. Yeah. It's making me think of that because even that made me go, bloody hell, that's expensive. Yeah. So that would have come into, I presume that would come into the price image. Let's dig into that. When you said, to the best that you can, when you when you looked at that and said, wow, that's really expensive, what do you think you were making that judgment based on? Like, can you reconstruct that? Again, as best you can. You know if it's going to be Apple, it's not going to be cheap. Good. So that's price image, right? So yeah, Apple has no, a, a reputation for high prices. And so therefore, anything that you see from Apple, you're likely to assume is high priced. Good. Excellent. But there's probably more than that. What else did you well, bring to that? Uh, so when I heard that as well, I thought to myself, mm, and again, you know, these are sort of nanosecond thoughts, but uh, I remember thinking if it's going to be something new, they're probably going to a- apply a premium to it because those type of things typically over a period of time. Good. So I would, I would say that that's also probably an, a price image type of evaluation. So we also have kind of a theory that, especially for electronics products, when something is first introduced, the price is going to be high and then that price is going to drop over time. That's kind of an impression that we have about the way that that electronics marketing works that we're imposing on that. So anything that's new, we're going to tend to assume is also going to be high priced, especially for electronics products. Good. Anything else that you recall? Yeah, the other thing that it made me think about was, I guess I was then sort of comparing it against my, or my expectation from a computer. Excellent. So I thought to myself, yeah, but it's surely not going to be anything more than a, a Mac Air, which in my mind, I, I don't know the price now, but if I if I was guessing, it probably $1,200, $1,500. So to suddenly go, it's three and a half grand, you then go, bloody hell. I may want one of those, but actually, I'm not going to spend three and a half grand on it. I can't see myself using it that much. Excellent. So that was perfect, right? So when you're introducing a new product, you might assume people can't use internal reference prices because this is a brand new thing. Nobody's, you know, there's never been an an Apple, what do they call it? Uh, Vision Pro. Vision Pro. That's better than calling it goggles. They look like ski goggles to me. Vision Pro. Yeah, no, that sounds, that's better marketing. But that, that's never existed before. And so how could somebody bring an expectation to that? But we do, like pe- consumers do. So what you did is you pulled a reference price from the broadly similar electronic space by this brand. And you said, well, I mean, they can sell a whole computer for $1,500. You know, how much are these 3D goggles, these Vision, Vision Pro, like, Relative to a computer, it's probably going to be comparable. The fact that it was twice the price, 
that was a comparison that you made. You know, I bought uh, my kids an Oculus. It's a, it's another virtual reality headset from several years ago, and they use it for video games. And it was like three hundred dollars, I think. So that was my internal reference price. Is now again, it's it's a different product. So Apple's is augmented reality, not just. Uh, virtual reality i'm sure it can do a lot more things do you know just as a sidebar do you know i, I so i i listen to you'll be no surprise in this i i listen to um tech podcasts and videos on all this type of stuff the the glasses have this is one of the reasons why it's expensive track your eye movement obviously to but when you're in certain modes when you, you i can't remember exactly the the exactly the story but in certain modes you can see through your glasses to your eyes but you're not actually seeing your eyes you're seeing a projection on your eyes through the screen at the front and somebody's looking at the screen which is projecting the image oh. of your eyes to a screen so it's really crazy and he, and the guy that was reviewing it said obviously that costs more just the put another bloody screen in the thing, you know, and therefore that increases the price. So there's screens um, on both sides of it. Yeah, screens on both sides. So when someone's looking at you and, you know, I don't know, you're playing a game or something, or, and then you put it on pause, then the, the screen that you're looking, when the person's looking at your face, they can see your eyes, but they're not actually seeing your eyes. They're seeing an image of your eyes. See, what we need then is like the full face shield so that I can just project a better looking face <laughs> at anybody that wants to. I don't think there'd be anybody it. that would dispute that, mate. That That's would be right. a yeah. good idea. Oh. That, that Now it's suddenly starting to make more sense at that price point. Um, I can be digitally better looking in real life. Yeah. We can go into this seeing that even for something like Google Glass. Oh, and for external reference price. Um, sorry, not Google Glass, uh, Apple Vision. If they had come out with, was there just the one version or was there like, you know, Vision and Vision Pro? There was the one where you could have Ryan's mask on it, but that, <laughs> they dropped that a while ago, I think. For legal reason. <laughs> so a lot of times when Apple introduces new products, like when they introduce a new iPhone version, there will be multiple versions of them, right? The Apple 14, the iPhone 14, and then the 14 Pro, and then the 14 XL. That is an opportunity for creating external reference prices as well, right? So that Vision Pro at $3,500 feels very expensive. If they had said there's also a Vision Pro XL at $4,200, that would start to make that $3,500 feel a little bit more reasonable. Right. Still be expensive. Yes. But. And they could have used, I guess, the, you know, the classic decoy effect, couldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, so that would that relies on a certain type of external reference prices for immediate comparisons. Okay, so we've got kind of a rough idea of these three different theories or approaches. So internal, external, and price image. Yes. Yeah. So and and again, that's that's internal is kind of memory based. External is environment based, and image is reputational or or brand oriented. Yeah. The next important part of this is figuring out how those things fit together. So there's two dimensions I want people to consider when anticipating how your customers are going to react to this and to figure out for yourself, like, what is it that you will use? I'm going to call these two dimensions ease and accuracy, right? Those are the two ways we want us to evaluate this stuff. From an accuracy standpoint, I think the order, and, and we're now kind of 
edging outside of research that's been done. So this is starting to bleed into my opinion of things based on my reading of the research. Um, I'm actually working on a paper right now to, to try to kind of nail this stuff down. In my opinion, based on the, the data that I've seen, the most accurate way of evaluating prices is usually going to be internal reference prices. That's the most accurate that we have. Then external reference prices. Yeah. Then price image. So let's go back to my, my wife's story at Costco. Right? So I was using price image, which I've just argued is the least accurate. Yeah, yeah. Usually. Yeah, I agree with that. Usually. Yeah. There, there's going to be exceptions to this, but usually it'll be the least accurate. Because I'm now imposing an evaluation on all the prices in a store. Yeah. Based on the reputation for the store. And as you mentioned earlier, these prices are going to vary, right? So some stuff at Costco is really cheap. Some stuff at Costco might actually be more expensive than other places. We kind of don't know. And obviously those organizations come up with their pricing strategy based upon that. So if we if we have prices low on certain commodity items, or if you're thinking food now, then by by definition, the image that you start to portray is one of um, being cheaper. How are you going to grow your market when everyone is competing on the same things? What are your customers' unmet needs in your market? What drives and destroys most value for you? And what are you going to do first? Since 2005, we've been helping organizations answer these questions. Our unique discovery tool, the Emotional Signature, will change the way that you look at your market. Let's have an informal conversation on how we may be able to help you. To set this up, simply go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. And we look forward to talking to you. You've kind of edged into a, a separate question, which is really important, which is how do people form a price image in the first place, right? And and that's that's a separate strategic question. We've we've done at least one episode in the past on that. This is the yeah that, that was the topic of my PhD dissertation. Um, I've done some research on this, and I'm happy to talk about it again. But yes, you you've, you've nailed one of the things that re- retailers do, which is they figure out which prices tend to be most useful in promoting that low price image. One of the things that Costco does is they sell you, uh, you can buy a, a hot dog and a drink, like a little lunch package for like $1.50. That's crazy low, right? That's a really, really cheap lunch anywhere under any circumstances. It's also a really effective way of communicating. This store is very cheap. So we may assume that the milk is also cheap because the hot dogs are so cheap. Yeah, so I've got a Sorry, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm being interrupted, but now you've said that, it reminds me of in Europe, there's one of the largest airlines, if not the largest airlines, it is now Ryanair. So Ryanair are a budget airline, okay? And let me put my cards on the table. I hate them with a passion. Is it okay? mostly because the name Ryan is in the, the name of the airline? <laughs> the, the I never thought of that. Of but you're probably subconsciously, you're totally right. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. One of the things that they do very effectively is they, they've they got a very low price image. Yes. Okay. And one of the reasons why they've got a very low price image is they strip all the costs out to the bare bones. Even when you're doing a, um, 
uh, when you're online and you're buying a ticket, you have to pay to use the credit card. But one of the things that the CEO has been good at, they talked once, I think I've mentioned this before, they talked once about charging to go to the restroom on the flight, okay? And one of the quotes they had of the CEO, whose name escapes me at the moment, was that, you know, anyone that thinks that they're going to come on a Ryan or an air flight to sit there and enjoy the flight has got another thing coming. They're going to try and sell you at every single point. But the image of just those couple of things is where we do these things so we can keep the prices low. So it is that sort of constant bit about we're trying to build that price image. Yes, I I am of the opinion, uh, based on the research, that your actual prices are a a relatively small component of the overall price image that you form, right? The fact that Costco has cement floors and warehouse shelving and everything comes in large. The fact that Ryanair is like actively abusive towards their customers in ways that squeeze them and every that is also communicating that. Like I assume that there are international regulations against making people pay for a bathroom on the airline. Like even if the CEO was sincere that this is something they wanted to do, I'm pretty sure it would be illegal. Sure. But the fact that they were talking about it. Correct. That's the point. Really clear signal that we are so dedicated. Well, not only that is they got bloody loads of free advert people talking about it on the news and everything else. And, you know, Oh no, they can't do this. And therefore it was sort of reinforcing that, that price image. Now, I think you're right. I think I don't think they were really considering that. I think it's just a ploy to a very clever ploy to get people to think that way. But it's it was a ploy based around low prices, right? Which is contributes to that that price image. Right? Good. Internal reference price is the most accurate usually, and then external reference prices, and then so the the reason I think that internal reference prices are usually the most accurate is because they tend to have more information, right? So. My, my wife knew exactly the price of milk at another store. That was an internal reference. But even if she didn't know exactly the price, she's still more likely to be pulling in information that could be useful in making that judgment. Whereas I was kind of making the, the least sophisticated judgment, which is just like, oh, we're at a store with low prices. External reference prices are somewhere in the middle. It's very helpful to see what else is on the store shelves or what else is, is kind of out there and in your environment. And that can help your judgments, but it, you can still be gamed in that way. So supposing I looked at the, the milk and said, Oh, this milk is cheaper than the other milk sold here at Costco. That makes me feel good. This is a, a low price. It could be though that all the milk at Costco is expensive. And so I'm buying the cheapest of the most expensive. So external reference prices are somewhere in the middle. They're like, they're helpful, but I think they're, they're not as much. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So what about, Gas prices then. Yeah. You know, as we start to sort of get in and talk, and maybe we're straying into a, a different area here. I don't know about you, but I get obsessed by gas prices. And and you go, oh, it's, you know, it's only, I don't know, whatever it is uh, there. And, and there it's another 10 cents more. And then when you actually do the numbers, you go, I've probably spent more gas or petrol getting to the bloody place than the, the money I'm going to save by driving here, basically, let alone the time and everything else. 
I'm sure we've all got that friend who will drive like eight miles out of their way to save three cents per gallon when yeah, oh, you're and, right. and you the same the actually applies, doesn't it? And I've said this to my wife. So if we're in that situation where with you in Costco with the milk, you then go, yeah, but it may be fifty cents cheaper. But the reality is, it's going to you know save us two or three dollars. And by the time that we've now driven there to save two or three dollars, what's the point? Yeah, no, I think that that was the next part of my argument to my wife was, okay, how much cheaper is it at the grocery store? And is it worth the separate trip? So yeah, so no, we uh, I didn't give up the fight. I know you were worried about that problem, but I just <laughs> rolled over. No, 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 you're right. So like buying gas makes internal reference prices very, very salient, right? Because if you drive frequently you're passing these gas stations that have these enormous signs out front with the price and the price changes frequently. And so of the things that we have an internal reference price for, the price of a gallon of gasoline, especially in the US, is probably among the the most well-defined and most frequently updated internal reference prices that we have. Sure. And I wonder if there's something as well that you're just bored as you're driving and therefore I mean, i'm sure that buy, contributes to it <laughs> yeah but just go oh it's cheaper there oh well we wouldn't go there and yeah yeah so 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 the reason that this makes this come so we've got the like the the accuracy right so certain yes. of these are more accurate than others the other dimension though is the ease so these also differ in how easy they are and i'm gonna again argue this is not quite based on on nailed down peer-reviewed research but i'm gonna argue that in many cases the external reference price is the easiest way to evaluate things, right? You don't need to access your memory at all. It's all right there in front of you. A lot of times processing that kind of visual information is automatic. You don't have to think about it. In other words, you can say the number right in front of you. It's so, like, you can't not know that one number is larger than another number. Like, they're just kind of, so that information is just given to you unbidden. And so I think it's very influential. Price image, I think, is the next easiest because now we're, we're just accessing one bit of information from memory. And then internal reference prices, I think, is usually the most difficult because we actually need to go back and sometimes reconstruct a reference price based on a lot of information. Yeah, and, and that, I guess, is then based upon, if I was to add to your paper, uh, that's got to be based upon like the frequency or the so if you if we if we go back to that gas prices, you know, and you've seen it twenty seven times as you've been driving for the last half hour, then trying to price uh, the Apple Vision Pro is difficult because I've never heard one of those, and I don't know what to expect, and I, I hadn't bought um, anything like that before. So I guess there must be something to do with the frequency, and it makes you actually wonder something like so you could your wife could do that with milk. But could she do it with yogurts or something you only buy once a month or perhaps every six months? This is where we need to go if we want to use this stuff as marketers, as, as retailers. So we've got some idea of the theories. Now we need to figure out, like, where are your customers likely to land on this kind of map of theory? Sure. And, and the, these factors that you're pointing out are exactly it. So one of the very clever things that Costco does is they sell things in unusual sizes, right? So it's a, it's a bulk purchase store. 
Yes, and that dramatically point. reduces our ability to use internal reference prices. I might know how much a 15-ounce jar of pickles costs, roughly, because I buy that frequently. But now I've got an eight-gallon jar of pickles. Like, I have no idea how much that... So Costco strategically does stuff to encourage us to use price image, essentially. It's also, they reduce the likelihood of using external reference prices because in most things, they don't have multiple brands being sold. So there's like the the one brand of the eight gallon jar of pickles and that's it. Like you take it or leave it. So they're kind of encouraging us to use price image. Milk is one of the few things that is sold in the same size across retailers. So that's part of why my wife was able to use that internal reference price. So what about, so whenever I see somebody that says price on application or, you know, effectively, then they're not going to tell you the price you go. Yeah, they're not telling me the bloody price because it's expensive, isn't it? And they, they want to manage my expectations, etc. Is that, that again, I guess must be, so if I was to, sorry, I'm answering my question now. Oh, but if, if I was like in the home improvement industry and I was looking for new replacement windows, then I know I'm not going to be able to phone up and go, look, you know, give me an estimate over the phone because my, price perception of that industry is that they won't allow that to happen because they want to send a salesman out and everything and actually it's interesting you've now got me on a roll actually as soon as if Lorraine's looking into something if they've said we'll send somebody we had new blinds in the house in Sarasota and they said oh we'll send somebody out to to talk you it through and I thought yeah it's going to be expensive isn't it because they they wouldn't go to the cost of sending somebody out to the house for a free estimate if it was going to cost 20 cents. So which, which of our three theories did you use to draw that conclusion? Well, I would probably use price imaging. That's right, because they didn't actually give you a price. No. So you, you can't use internal or external reference prices because there was no price to evaluate. You You made that judgment without a price, which is, in some sense crazy right like that's so weird. and yet we do that all the time and we're not wrong all that sure. often, so. but overall your point rightly so is well how are your customers whoever they may may be in those three areas how are they making a decision and i guess is that the method that you want them to use to make yes. that decision Exactly. That's exactly right. So if they're making a price, if they're making it, if they've got an image of the price image, they're making a decision price image. If you just go to that home improvement and my image is that it's going to be expensive, then they could use external pricing to actually show me that it's not very expensive. Exactly. This is, so you've nailed it, right? So the reason that I, I, lay this out in terms of accuracy is that in general, people are not going to use a less accurate method when a more accurate method is available to them. So the reason that that we use this these price image evaluations is because they're easy and we can, like we can do a price image evaluation without even seeing the price, right? Super easy. But if you show me external reference prices, you know, like if your salesperson comes out and says, like, here's the price that we quote for you, just so you know, this is how much it would be at another place. And this is how much it would be at another place. I'm now providing you with external reference prices. 
people are going to use that almost always instead of just yes. price image because it's a more accurate way. Now, if you're providing me with all of the, the external average price, there's still like a trust issue there. I may not believe what you're saying, but in general, that's going to be true. Like the more accurate, right? that's part of why I folded to my wife. She actually knew what the prices were at another store. I couldn't continue to argue, but Costco is low price. Like she had better information. And so use the more accurate method. Yes. Makes sense. So anticipate where your customers are going to be. Do they have experience in this? Like, do they have a good internal reference price? Then you're not going to be able to nudge them. Right. If they know how much this costs, you know, you can't, you know, nudging in a gasoline context is not going to work very well because people are so well informed on the internal reference price. And so they don't need to rely on price image and they don't need to rely on external reference prices. And I guess if I was Apple, I'm to a certain extent and I'm bringing out the first ever product I'm setting and undoubtedly they would have clearly thought this through but they've probably gone i'm setting a reference point an external reference point for this knowing that there's only going to be these very early adopters that are going for it but over a period of time that will we're going to be able to bring the price down therefore the perception of value will go up won't it good yeah i mean if they are playing a long-term game here where they're trying to say we want to get people used to this price right then and we know we're not going to sell a lot of these initially but we want to like stake out a high price point for this type of offering then yeah this is the way to do it they are now creating what will be the internal reference price for people in two years yeah the other interesting thing i find about them is that they clearly got a load of flack for what the glasses look like and everything else yeah and i understand that but there are not many products that they've launched where they don't certainly don't do it for a, they keep going for a while they do gradually get adopted i was i was actually thinking about these yeah, uh, um, Apple they received Pro. a lot of flack for their yeah their and i thought so at the beginning i thought yeah. wow i'm not going to bloody buy them but I have to say, you know, now you just look around, everyone's gone. Everyone's gone. So it does make you wonder where it's going to go. It's like I'm putting a stake in the ground here and we're going to, we're actually, it's it's the stake in the ground, but actually it's the five-year plan that we're really right. interested in. That initial shock of the, of the high price, that then becomes internalized and that becomes your internal reference price as yeah. you evaluate it six yeah. months later, a year later, two years later. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Good. Really interesting, mate. I found that really interesting. I hope uh, our listeners do. I hear what you're saying. More theory, more price theory uh, <laughs> is what you're asking for, Colin, and I'm happy to go. Yeah. Hold on. I'm just going to shake the one listener that we've got left listening to the show. It's time, John, it's time to wake up, mate. We're summing up now. So, um, no, that's very interesting. So thank you for that. And we will undoubtedly revert to price at some point. If you have any suggestions of anything you would like to uh, for us to cover, or you've got a pickle, uh, a pickle is a business problem, then all you need to do is to go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. Now, that didn't sound like it, but Colin was making a threat. 
either you tell us what you want to hear or he's going to allow Ryan to talk more about pricing theory. Like that and was, you don't want to do that. No, so. no, for your own sake. <laughs> All right, everybody. Talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it would be really great if you could leave us a review. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.